Yeah. 
बिहारी लाल की So 
the relationships in the divine world are not selfish. They're not based on, I need something from you. It's just an interaction, a blissful interaction between the soul and God. So when Krishna is playing with his friends, it's not because he needs anything from them or they need anything from him. But in that divine state, Krishna is oblivious of the fact that he is God. And souls are not, have no awareness whatsoever that I'm just a soul and this is God. They know somewhere in their mind that that's there. But just like the king, when he's playing with his friends, when he's hanging out with his friends, he forgets about being a king. Similarly, Sri Krishna forgets about being God. And the souls don't dwell on that point either. They just think about him being their friend. So in the divine world, everything is different than in this world, yet we still have to compare it to things that we know, otherwise how will we even begin to develop those relational feelings for God? So this Madhurya Bhav is actually difficult to conceive in the mind. How could you have a beloved to beloved relationship without any kind of selfishness and no physical basis for the relationship? Don't think about it physically. No, it's not physical, it's the feeling. See, our feelings have to be directed towards God. That feeling of loving someone, that's a very intense feeling of the heart, which we normally reserve only for the world. So that multiplies, compounds our material attachments. What if that same feeling could be directed towards God? That's what we're doing with these five how. We're taking the feelings of these different relationships and we're directing it towards God as a means of attaching our mind to Him. So that's what the Madhurya Bhav is in our meditation. We can think of Shri Krishna in this way. You can call it Priyatam Bhav, Madhurya Bhav. It means you love him as the divine beloved of your soul. And every soul is eternally related to God in this way. So it's our choice. We can choose whichever relationship we want. But just like in the world, the closest relationship is generally accepted to be the beloved to beloved relationship, which incorporates all the feelings of the other relations, Similarly, Madhurya Bhav incorporates all the loving feelings of Vatsalya, Sakya, Dasya, and even Shanti Bhav. It's all included in one. So in Madhurya Bhav, you have the most relational proximity to Sri Krishna. Yet, there's a total selflessness in Madhurya Bhav as exemplified by the gopis. The gopis, just as the Gwalbals and Mother Yashoda were descended divine personalities, they were not ordinary people, the gopis were also descended saints. They came with Radha Krishna in order to reveal these relationships and interactions on this earthly plane so that souls could learn about it and then they could also adopt that way of loving Krishna and do devotion accordingly. 
So this devotion done according to the way the Brajwasis loved Radha and Krishna is called Raga Nuga Bhakti. Those eternal divine saints, they have Ragatmika Bhakti. It means the absolute supreme divine power of devotion, of bhakti, which is actually Sri Krishna's most intimate and supreme power, they have that after becoming God-realized. And when they come on the earth, they reveal all of those leelas accordingly. So then we do raga nuga. Raga means love. So in the same way the gopis, Mother Yashoda, Gualbals loved Sri Krishna, Accordingly, anugat means according to that. Rag anugat. So we do raga nuga bhakti. When we follow this way of loving Radha Krishna according to these bhav, we're doing raga nuga bhakti. When someone is worshipping God just using the physical formalities, then that's called vaibhi bhakti, where you're following different rules of how to worship God, how to do the puja, these different things apply in vaibhi bhakti. In raganuga bhakti, it's all done internally, and you try to develop those loving feelings in your mind. So in this world, we see that in the spousal relationship, sometimes the husband and wife serve each other, right? The husband may do something for the wife, the wife may do something for the husband. So there's a dasya bhav included in that relationship. Although that's technically madhurya bhav, but the dasya bhav is included. Sometimes the husband and wife discuss things together like friends, they joke like friends. This is sakya bhav. It's also included in the madhurya bhav. Sometimes they take care of each other, like a parent takes care of a child. Sometimes the wife is telling the husband, come on, you need to eat more roti, you're not eating enough nowadays. So that vatsalya bhava is also included in the madhurya bhava, but there's obviously more, there's an even closer emotional attachment. So that's the madhurya bhava explained in terms of what we know in this world. But in the soul-to-God relationship, it's much beyond that. And it's not based on the, the physical relationship like uh, in, the, in the material romantic relationships. It's not based on that. It's a pure emotional attachment to God, incorporating all of our feelings, all of our loving feelings. This is Madhuri Bhav. And when Naradji, who wrote Narad Bhakti Darshan, and is considered to be the very first original Acharya of Bhakti. When he was asked, who is the topmost example of Bhakti? Who, who embodies the perfect devotion? So he says, Yatha Braja Gopika Nam. The gopis are the ultimate example of this devotion to Sri Krishna. They are the ultimate example of devotion and selflessness. Nishkanta. He said, Tat Sukha Sukhitvam. Their love for Krishna incorporated all the relational feelings 
and their prime goal was to think of Krishna's happiness. What can I do? What should I, how should I find some way to put a smile on Krishna's face? I feel happy seeing him happy. This is the pure selfless love of the gopis, which is not seen or experienced in this world. Even the love of a mother for her child, which is said to be the most selfless love in this world, and certainly a mother makes many sacrifices for her children. But if a mother's child is lost for a few days, maybe went to a state fair and got separated and couldn't find each other and it's been three, four days the police are looking for your child. How much longing would you be feeling to meet your child again? It's a lot, but it's still limited, right? But it would be a lot of longing. As far as our heart can, can bear, it would feel like a lot of longing. Because our love for that child is a lot. And then when the police find your son or daughter and bring them back to you, and you meet them after thinking they might be lost, so you embrace them. Why? You're going to hold them tight because that longing was so deep in your heart, it was so strong, now you want to appease that fire of longing that you felt in your heart. So you're going to hold them tight to you. So tight that the child may start squirming. The child may start feeling uncomfortable now, but as a mother, you may be just unaware of that and just squeezing, oh, I got my child back. And the, oh, <laughs> he, he wants to get out of your embrace because you're squeezing too tightly. This is just a little example of how in worldly love, we tend to forget about the other person's feelings sometimes and look for our own happiness. I'm getting happiness by squeezing this person I love. Now, keeping this example in mind, there's an example given in the Bhagavatam that illustrates the selflessness of the gopis. The gopis' longing for Sri Krishna was so great that there seemed to be Cursing Brahma, that Brahma, why have you made these eyelids and eyelashes which come in the in between our vision of Sri Krishna? You made a big mistake. You shouldn't have made such a thing. The gopis, when Sri Krishna goes out to graze the cows, they get to see him in the morning going out and then the whole day they're waiting. When will he come back in the afternoon? Their love for Sri Krishna is divine. So divine is unlimited. It means that when the love is unlimited, in that separation, the longing to meet him is also unlimited. So when Sri Krishna is coming back and they see him walking by, that longing is so great that they feel, even when their eye blinks for a fraction of a second, it feels like when that eyelid is closed for that fraction of a second, now again they're separated from Krishna. They can't see him. And that second feels like ages, like hundreds of thousands of years for them. That is not even an exaggeration. That is the extent of the gopis longing for Sri Krishna. 
So they're saying, Brahman, how dare you have made these islands which get come between us and Sri Krishna? Now when that is the state of love and longing in the gopi's heart, they are seen to be telling Sri Krishna in the Bhagavatam that, oh, you have left us because he disappeared from Maharas. He disappeared from the midst of the gopis and he went and he was wandering in the jungle and the gopis started following behind him, looking for him. Where did he go? Where did he go? So they started praying to Sri Krishna and at one point they said, oh, we're not going to follow you anymore because we see the ground is getting so rough. There's so many pieces of gravel and stones and thorns. We can't bear the thought of you going further into this jungle that we may be causing you to go further into the jungle when you're walking barefoot and your feet are so tender. They're so tender that when we have been separated from you for a long time and then we meet with you and that fire of longing is so great in our heart, we take the sole of your lotus foot and we put it to our chest to cool that fire of longing. But when we do that, we are very, we do it bhita shanai. Shanai means very slowly. Bhita means fearfully. Why fearfully? That we are afraid that we should not press your foot to our chest too hard or it may cause you some pain. So think about what the gopis are saying. Think about it mathematically. When a mother, with a, after a few days of longing, with a limited longing for her child, forgets about her child's comfort and squeezes too hard in meeting with the child, now multiply that longing by unlimited times and yet the gopi is staying in control of herself and saying, Krishna's happiness comes first. I'm putting his foot to my chest, but I want to make sure that I don't squeeze too hard. Such is the selflessness of the frame of the gopis. So this is the topmost Madhuri Bhav, which we can also try to develop in our heart. We can think like that, that instead of asking God for things when we pray or meditate, why don't we just think of how can I please Him? How can I make Him happy? This is Gopi Bhav or Gopi Prem. The queens of Dwarika, they also had this same Madhurya Bhav for Sri Krishna, but it wasn't at that extent of selflessness. Their Nishkamta was not perfect like the gopis. They were more like 50-50. They felt they had some right over Krishna and Krishna should please them. The gopis never had any such feelings. That's why to, I mean, they're all divine personalities. The queens are divine personalities. The gopis are divine personalities. They're just demonstrating that uncountable souls can all have the same relationship with God, with Sri Krishna. But one time, to teach the souls about the greatness of Gopi's selfless love. Shri Krishna played a trick on the queens. 
because they were always wondering why is it whenever the subject of Braj comes up that Krishna gets lost in these thoughts of the gopis. Are we, do we have any shortcomings? We are matchless in terms of beauty and all the qualities and skills. Rukmini herself was the avatar of Mahalakshmi. Who could be greater than her? And yet, whenever the talks come up of Braj, Sri Krishna gets lost in thoughts of the gopis. Why is that so? So one day when the queens were having talks like this, Sri Krishna decided, I'll show it to them with an example. So he started acting like he was having a really bad tummy ache. He was having such bad pain in his stomach that he couldn't bear it. He was writhing and moaning and groaning and all the queens were coming around asking, what's happening? What can we do? What can we do? They tried all kinds of different treatments and nothing was working. So at that time, Narajji happened to come, as he often does in the middle of these leelas. And he sees this natak going on and he thinks, I'm going to be careful how I approach this because he's fooled me in the past before. One time Sri Krishna gave him the face of a monkey to teach him a lesson. So he goes very cautiously and he says, Oh, Sri Krishna, what's going on here? He says, Narajji, I feel like I'm dying, I'm having so much pain. So Narajji says that the one who's made his own illness, only he could tell what the cure is. So, Shri Krishna, what is the cure for this illness? He says, I only need one thing. If one of my devotees gives me their foot dust, and I mix that in some water and drink it, my stomach ache will be cured. So, Naraji thinks I am also his bhakti. No, no, no. I'm staying out of this one. All these queens, they're divine saints. Let me ask them. So he went to Rukmini, Satyabhama, all the other queens and told that your beloved is saying that this will cure him. You are his divine devotees. You can give your foot dust, I'll collect it and I'll bring it to him and he'll be cured. So they said, Naraji, that doesn't sound like a good idea to us. I mean, think about what you're saying. Would a devotee give his foot dust to God? That would be a transgression, wouldn't it? So no, we can't do such a thing. We'll get such a bad name in history, people will remember us forever that, oh Rukmini, she was so great, but she gave her foot dust to Sri Krishna? Unimaginable. No, Naraji, we can't do it. So Naraji went all over wherever he could find saints and he got the same answer everywhere. So in the end he came back to Sri Krishna and he said, you're going to have to also tell me where can I find such a saint who's going to allow me to take their foot dust and give it to you. Sri Krishna said, just go to Braj, ask the gopis. The queens are thinking, Firsi gopiyo ka naam le rahe. 
So Naraji goes to brunch. There, as soon as the gopis see him, they say, Oh, Naraji, Naraji, welcome. Uh, do you have any news of our beloved Shikrishna? He says, Yes, as a matter of fact, uh, there's some very serious situation. He's in great pain and he has said that uh, the cure is only the foot dust of his devotees. Immediately all the gopis put their feet out for Naraji and they're saying, quick, quick, go, take it and go. Naraji starts trying to lecture them saying that, aren't you afraid of what people will say and you could be punished actually according to the law of karma for giving your foot dust to God. Such a terrible karm you're prepared to do. Said Naraji, if you want to lecture us on the good and bad and rights and wrongs, come back and do it after. First take the foot dust and go and cure Sri Krishna. Naraji was amazed. He first took some for himself, saying that look at these great saints. There, no one can match them in terms of their selflessness. So he collected that foot dust, he went gave it to Shri Krishna and his heart, his uh, stomach ache was cured. And then the queens understood, oh, we were unwilling to do that, but look at the selflessness of the gopis. They have the highest state of devotion for Shri Krishna. So this is Madhuri Bhav. We have a choice which bhav we want to use in our meditation. Now there's one other question that people tend to have, which is, which form of God should we meditate on? The first thing to understand is that God is absolutely one. There's no such thing as two gods. Even other religions don't have their separate God. It's all one God. Just different descriptions of that same one God. And Hinduism happens to have by far the most complete description of God. This is why Hinduism is the only religion which describes the forms of God. Other religions have a more general explanation of God without getting into the details of the actual form. But Hinduism tells that one single God, since he has uncountable powers, depending which power is manifested externally and which powers are not manifested but kept internally, God appears in different forms. Just like I explained that formless God is the same Shri Krishna but with all of his powers dormant. So it's the same, no one else. Similarly, when some of the powers are active and some are kept concealed within then God appears in different forms. So we have many forms like Radha Krishna, Sita Ram, Vishnu, Lakshmi, Shiv, Parvati, Durga, Anumanji, Ganeshji, Kartikeya, many forms of God. But they're all absolutely one. So one should never think that, first of all, one is greater and one is less. One is more important, one is less important. That makes about as much sense as saying that when I wear a suit and tie, I'm more powerful and more important and better than when I wear shorts and a t-shirt. 
It doesn't make any sense. It's just my outer appearance. The personality is the same. So all these forms of God are one single personality. Then if someone starts thinking, Oh, I used to worship this form of God, but now I'm starting to worship this form of God. Will that form of God get jealous? Again, such thinking is based in ignorance. The ignorant assumption that these are separate personalities. How can the same personality get jealous about himself? If you have a, let's say a wife has a picture of her husband on the wall at home, and in that picture he's wearing a kurta pajama. And then one day she decides, oh, I have this other picture of him, and he, he's got a mustache in this picture, and he's wearing a suit and tie. I have only so much space on the walls in the house, so I'm going to change these pictures out. I'll put this picture that I like even better. So when the husband comes home that day, will he scold his wife? Why have you not kept the kurta pajama me up there? You put the, the suit, suit tie mustache me up there. He won't care. She hasn't put the, if she put the picture of the neighbor's husband up there, then, then he might have a problem. But it's him. It's just him in a different form. So similarly, do you really think God Shiva cares if you worship Him or if you worship Hanumanji instead or if you worship Shri Krishna instead or you worship Durgaji instead? Nobody cares. There's one single personality. This is pure ignorance in our mind when we start thinking, Oh no, I've worshipped Shiva my whole life. Now I want to change and start worshipping Durgaji or Shri Krishna. Will He not get angry? No chance of that happening. In meditation, this meditation I've been teaching you this week is for God-realization. So that means that you have to think about who do you want to attain. The form that you want God to come to you in, you should meditate on Him in that form. He'll only come to you in one form. It's not like once you attain God, you enter and everybody's there. Meaning Ganesh ji bhi hai, Hanuman ji bhi hai, Shri Krishna bhi hai. Sab ek saath khel rahe hai, When you attain God, God comes to you in the form that you have worshipped. That one form. So you don't attain God in multiple forms. God is only one and He says, Okay, you worship me in this form, I'll come to you in that form. That's it. So you decide in your mind, what form do I want to attain? Then meditate on that form. We call this Ananyata. Ananyata means being single-minded in devotion. There's nothing wrong with worshipping different forms of God. It's good, it's great. But when we get serious to the point of thinking, okay, now I'm not just doing this as a general devotion, I'm doing this because I want to attain God. I'm doing Rupdhyan to purify my mind so I can get His grace and attain Him. Then we have to address this question of which form should I worship? 
That doesn't mean we neglect other forms or disrespect other forms. We accept all the forms and we respect all the forms, knowing that these are just other forms of the form we're worshipping, so we should accept and respect all of them. But in our meditation, since we only have a limited time every day and we want to get the maximum benefit we need to focus our meditation on one single form of God. Otherwise, those relational feelings tend not to develop very quickly because it's too spread out. So you choose one form and you form that relationship in your mind with that one form. And this is what all the saints have done. They all worship, they respected all the forms, but they worship one form of God. Tulsidas Ji, when he prayed to Ganesh Ji in his Ramayan, what was he asking him for? He asked him for more bhakti to Ram. Please re remove the obstacles on my devotion so that I can develop more bhakti to Sri Ram. So it doesn't mean you can't worship other forms, but that one form is in your mind. On Shivratri, you worship. Shiva, of course, we all do. But if you're a bhakta of Shri Krishna, then you may think that, okay, I'm, today's Shivratri, but I'm going to think of how Shivji used to come to Braj all the time, to watch those leelas of Krishna. And he even took the form of a gopi to come and join in Maharas. So, oh Shivji, I'm worshipping you on Shivratri, please give me more bhakti to Shri Krishna. I'm just giving you some examples how if you've chosen one form of God, you can still worship and respect other forms of God. But your goal is single-minded on the one form that you've settled on. This may take some time. It's not necessary to make any kind of final decision today. I'm just letting you know that if you are practicing the Dhyan seriously going forward, you may come to a point where you want to make that decision, where you feel like, okay, I'm just going to focus on this one single form of God. That's up to you. Eventually you may reach that point. One thing to keep in mind is that the different bhao don't all relate to all the forms of God. What I mean is, Remember I explained that this Swarup Shakti, God's personal power, it's also called His Prema Bhakti. The essence of that Swarup Shakti, His personal power is Prema Bhakti, the divine love power. That's what makes God forget His godliness. And that's how all these sweet Leelas happen. Like the gopis, because of the Bhakti of the gopis, Shri Krishna forgets that he's God because God is completely beyond all the material needs. Appahita papma vijaro vijighatso vimrityur vishoko vijighatso vipasaha satyakamaha satyasankalpaha chandokya Upanishad says God has no thirst and no hunger. He's beyond that. Yet, the love of the gopis has made Sri Krishna so hungry that he's willing to break into their house and go and steal their butter. 
Why? Because that gopi had a desire in her heart when she's making the butter. Wouldn't it be sweet? Wouldn't it be charming if Krishna snuck into my house and ate this chori chori? That would be so nice. She was thinking that, so he had to fulfill her wish. That's why we say, or Shri Krishna himself says, Aham bhakta paradhino yasvatantraiva dvija Sadhu bhirgrasta hridayo bhaktair bhakta janapriya bhagotam O Durvasa, Shri Krishna is saying, I am subservient to my God-realized saints. Shri Krishna is so hungry that gopis are offering him a little bit of chach and saying, no, 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 before you get this, we're going to sing a little tune and you dance, okay? You have to earn your chach. So Supreme God who is beyond hunger and thirst is willing to do dance to the tune of the gopis clapping for a little bit of chach. This is the greatness of that love. But this kind of leela is only revealed by Sri Krishna. The dasya, sakya and vatsalya bhav is also available with Ram. But Madhurya Bhav is only possible with Sri Krishna. But even if you look at the Vatsalya and Sakya Bhav Leelas with Ram, there's a little more restriction, isn't there? Because that Prem is not fully revealed in Ram's personality. Did Mother Kaushalya ever tie up Ram to the Ukhal? No. She never threatened him saying, did you eat the dirt? And made him cry. No, such leelas never happened with Ram because there's still some maryada there. Did Ram's friends ever jump on his back and ride him like a horse? No, that only happens with Krishna where all the formalities are gone. When Ram went to Sharbhanga Ashram, there were many great sages there who had been worshipping him for many lifetimes. And their hearts were fully pure. So when he entered that ashram, they actually got the divine vision of Bhagwan Ram. They saw him in his divine form. And they all had a desire to embrace him. But he said to them, Krishna avatare yuyam gopika bhutva mama lingatha Krishna Upanishad. He told them, I am Mariyada Purushottam Brahma. You cannot have that close of a relationship with me, but when I come again as Sri Krishna, then you can come as gopis and you can have that closeness with me. So it shows that although God is one, yet in these different forms, He's revealing different types of leelas and different types of relationships. With the almighty forms of God, like Vishnu, Shiva, Durga, with them there's Shant Bhav. There's no other Sakya Bhav, Matsalya Bhav, Madhuri Bhav. That's not possible. Although it's the same Sri Krishna in the form of Vishnu, in the form of Durga, Shiva, same. 
But you can't demand that from him in that form. Just like if your father is a Supreme Court judge, you can't enter the courtroom and expect to be able to climb up on his lap when he's sitting <laughs> up there ruling some court case. There's restrictions, right? But when he comes home, then you can do whatever you want. You can sit on his lap, you can pull his beard, you can give him a hug. He's your father then. But when he's in the courtroom, oh, you have to be careful. Same thing when Shri Krishna is in that almighty form, as Vishnu or Shiva or Durga, then there's a maryada that's required. So that's why only Shant Bhav is, is possible. But when he's Shri Krishna, then it's like your dad came home from work in the privacy of your own home and you have total freedom. So we accept that all the forms are one, yet at the same time there are differences in how we can interact with them, what how we can adopt, and what leelas those forms of God have done. So the Milas, which are revealed by Ram and Krishna, they are very special. They're actually not, the, the same types of Milas have not been revealed by God in this way, in other forms. Ram and Krishna for this reason are called Leela They came specifically to reveal Milas that people can engross their mind in remembering and through that attach their heart to Ram and Krishna. Jagavisparahi Vimalayash Ram Janma Karahetu Ram came on this earth to reveal those Leelas, reveal his name, reveal his qualities of his personality. Soi Gunagai Bhagat Bhavatarahi Kripa Sindhu Janahit Tanudharahi And then remembering and chanting these Leelas and names and virtues of Ram and Krishna, we are able to cross over this ocean of cosmic existence and attain them. The reason I'm explaining this to you is to give you more information for your own decision. When you think, I want to attain God, then you can also think, in what form do I want to attain Him based on what relationship appeals to me the most. So we need all of this knowledge. We need to think of these different bhav that we have towards God and which bhav do we want to adopt and accordingly, which form of God do we want to meditate on? All of that is up to us. God has no priority. God has no preference. It's all Him in these different forms. The choice is ours. But eventually, not only will a person want to choose a particular form to concentrate on in their meditation, but you'll also want to choose a particular bhav. In the beginning, you may try out the different bhavas, but eventually you will find through practicing more and more dhyan, you will be attracted to a particular bhav more, and then you'll stick with that. So that also helps you to become more focused. And even while doing rup dhyan, 
initially you may find, even if you're medit- you decided, I'm going to meditate on, let's say, Shri Krishna, for instance. Initially you may change things around a lot. Like, okay, today he's wearing this, and the next time you meditate he's wearing something different, and today he were, you had him as a three-year-old, and the next day you're thinking of him as 16. This can keep changing, and there's nothing wrong with that, but eventually what tends to happen is you'll settle on a particular rup of Sri Krishna, a particular form, and then you always meditate on him in that form. Not that you can change it, but you, you kind of get your favorite, and then you keep focusing on that. I'm just letting you know how things may progress for you. All of this is part of ananyata, being single-minded and focused in our devotion. So if you incorporate all of these points, working towards being ananya, trying to be nishpam in your devotion, not bringing your worldly desires into your devotional practice, leaving them out in the world, and when you do bhakti to God, just desiring to meet Him, that's all. Desiring to get His divine vision and His divine bliss, and even more, to serve Him, or to feel that you want to please Him and make Him happy, this type of nishramta should be gradually developed in the mind through selfless thinking in this way. And then if we practice every day, we do dhyan every day, gradually our mind will purify and it will become more and more attached to God. As this process goes on, we experience more and more devotional joy in our life, in our heart, not only while meditating, but it overflows into the rest of our day as well. We also notice the negativities of the mind reducing and the daivi gunas, the positive qualities of the mind, evolving more and more as our mind purifies due to this practice of devotion. So this devotion, this internal devotion, this rupdhyan, where we meditate on the form of personal God, adopting a relationship with Him, this has to be practiced every day. It's best to be practiced along with some kirtan, although it can also be done in silence. But the kirtan is a, is a big help, which many people, most people find is required to help them remain focused for a longer period of time. And when you practice, if you find your mind cannot stay focused for long, don't worry. This is everybody's state in the beginning. But if you keep practicing day after day, your mind eventually becomes attached enough to God that it will be more settled and you'll be able to meditate much more naturally, much more easily. You'll reach that point. But we can't do anything without hard work, without perseverance. So if we desire to get that connection with God and to develop our meditation on Him, then we have to do it every day. With these words I conclude my discussion on 
Rup Dhyan on the form of Sri Krishna. If you want to hear about more philosophical topics along these lines, a lot of my speeches are available on YouTube, so you can just look me up on YouTube or you can go to swaminikhilanam.org and you'll see there's links there to Kirtan as well as to many different speeches, speeches on Gita, Bhagavatam, uh, devotion to Radha Krishna, many different topics. So that resource is available for you so that you can go more deeply into all of this. Now we'll be finishing by doing some more meditation. We can all close our eyes and begin doing Rupdhyan. And after a minute, I'll start with the Kirtan. So let's just begin in silence. You can start with your Rupdhyan. One thing that you can implement is that if your mind keeps going to worldly things and you get tired of trying to bring it back to Sri Krishna, then wherever the mind goes, let it go, but put Sri Krishna there. So if it goes to your office, let it go to your office. If it goes to your house, let it go to your house. Just be there in your office or your house and Sri Krishna is there with you. If it goes to a person and you start thinking about that person, then instead of trying to stop thinking about the person, just see Shri Krishna inside of them, and gradually their form becomes the form of Shri Krishna.